but my apology this episode, but you say you have a different one. I'm so sorry about the whole apparent mix-up with the, the credit card. <laughs> uh, so did you did you confirm that? Like, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, there was a card in there that I deleted. Yeah, definitely saw some charges on my credit card that I was like, hmm, I don't recall eating there recently. The reason I was going to apologize about it, Sam, is that I really don't think there's a good chance we're going to get that money back because the reason I was charging a card that wasn't mine is because dad was buying those meals and I know he'd put his card on some of my food accounts. <laughs> oh, well, okay. That's that's nice. On, um, on the plus side, I'll pay for whatever he gets for his birthday, so that'll be my... Uh, yay, digital economy and all that. Not really knowing where your credit card is. Uh, the funny thing is, like, I actually, I got, like, a credit... The reason that, uh, I was looking at my bank account in the first place was that I got a theft notice. Like, you know, um, a weird, possibly fraudulent card notice on my credit card. And it wasn't about those. Like, it was... (laughs) It was actually about other stuff that I was buying, but not about the weird-ass meals that were getting delivered to a third-party address. Oh, yeah, because you buy real weird shit on Amazon. Like, Sarah's into, like, breeding silkworms and doing, like, rare growing of crops. So you're on... You're you're a strange uh, picture for the the people buying Our profile is fucking weird. Like, you know, in in the past week, we've definitely bought some, like, you know some rare plants to be shipped from overseas to be grown uh, in our internal grow tent. And we've also bought like a pistol suppressor. So um, whatever, whatever watch list that puts us on. Hi. We're we're a real pair, aren't we? Head on straight, mask on crooked. Exit stays left with the cash gone, took it. Off like a goofy, the fit was a bit doofy. He tried to get screwed with that two for you, one two for me, G. Come to cranky attitude, wet him like a handkerchief on a stanky fatter dude. Whether you's a rapper or a dang sanger, once you in, it's only one way out. Like a gangbanger with a new crew keychain and street name. What set do he claim for fame, peak game? Just to keep fetter and stay dip. You need it like a letter or better, a getaway whip. Welcome to Brokusatsu, Two Brothers' exploration of tokusatsu shows and related media. My name's Harry. And I'm Sam. And I just want to apologize to the world. Um, I know we have some international listeners. We're recording this in the future. You know, we're recording this, um, like... uh, No, we're not recording this in the past. Uh, Right, right, right. We're recording this for the future in the past. (laughs) You got Um, me worried for a second. Like, did I I join the wrong Discord channel? Like, Sam, what what happens? Like, how do we die? I mean, I think I know um, at this point, but... Yeah. Continue Um, your thought. (laughs) We're recording this, like, you know, the week of uh, of uh, October 20th. Um, But, like, this is going to be released uh, the week of November 3rd, which is also the U.S. election. And so... Right now, as we are talking, right now, we don't know what's going to happen, but I am so sorry. Yeah. Oh, uh, great. You know, good fun time. Let me think of a good way to build off of that. Not the genuine anxiety <laughs> I feel over the subject. Um, uh, On a wholly unrelated note, um, I'm going to be participating in a TI4 stream for Extra Life on November, uh, November 7th. You and motherfucker. So- so we'll be we'll be posting that stream, uh, a link to that stream on our uh, on our Twitter, on our Facebook page. 
Uh, again, oh, provided that uh, oh. again, provided that there's a future to be posting that in. <laughs> yeah, fine. I guess I'll post those. I'll advertise your other outside of show stuff that I'm not that I was not told about until now. Um, I, I'm sorry. I guess I can apologize for that next week. Whatever. Did, let, let's here. Let's go to something that doesn't need to apologize. I think I used that lead in last time. Uh, but whatever. The show's still good, and it's still Doom Patrol. Yes, it is Doom Patrol episodes five and six, right? Yeah. Five and six. Yep, five is Paw Patrol, which last time was all we knew, so it's about a dog, and it is. Yay! Uh, so yeah, this episode, um, as a reminder, God, it's going to be really weird recapping what happened on this show. Um, Harry, do you want to take a crack at it? Because my brain just kind of blue screened. Like I know what happened. But describing it and putting it into words and phrases seems to be eluding me at this point. I I don't know what it is about me that this that these plots don't seem too out of it. But anyways, so they're the Doom Patrol, a team of people who have very superpowers that uh, kind of mess them up, and uh, they they encountered a guy who was like Constantine, but they didn't have the rights, so he's he's a new interesting character. Anyway, he told them about this cult that's going to end the world, the Order of the Unwritten Book. Uh, so they had to find the kid who was the unwritten book, and the guy wanted to just kill him, but instead they decided to protect him, uh, to stop a ritual from happening. They kind of fucked that up. Uh, Robot Man and Jane are in another dimension, uh, and the rest of them are back at the mansion licking the wounds while the ritual has been performed, and a giant eye is now in the middle of the sky, kind of staring at dudes. Yep, the uncreator. Uh, so as we begin this episode, like the very first words are "fuck you, fascist," which is great, really great. As uh, we are, as we enter a flashback to the seventies, uh, where we get a little bit of backstory on Jane as she is in her punk phase. Or yeah. is is this Jane? Is a hammerhead? Is it ever explicitly said? It seems pretty hammerhead. Uh, I don't know. And again, looking... this is this is pre powers. So no, this is post powers. They oh, this... they established that directly in this episode through some flashbacks. Like she got the her she her her personalities got the powers added to them in seventy six. This is seventy seven, and she went to the mansion proper in seventy eight. Okay, 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 okay. I was a little unclear on the timeline there. It, it, it's a little hard to tell because a lot of the main characters in the show seem to not age, which is something that made another plot point more confusing than it could have been next episode. But we'll get there. Uh, but yeah, she she's at a uh, she's at a punk band concert. She's in a mosh pit. Uh, she beats up some dudes who yell some slurs at her. So great for her. But then cops show up and she gets a uh, oh not a bayonet. What is it? A billy club to the back of the head. Yep. And so she is going back to a good old comic book insane asylum, which is uh, I don't know, Harry. Are comic book insane asylums like more or less horrifying than how insane asylums actually were back in the U.S. in the seventies? No, insane asylums were this bad, and most they're less bad these days. Most of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. I used to, you know, I used to service one like uh, the biggest insane asylum in uh, in Washington State, and I was horrified every time I walked through those doors, Harry. <laughs> yeah, like it's the. The type of people who are orderlies at insane asylums are either very kind people who want to help people reconstruct their personalities in their lives, or real big shitheads. And mm-hmm. Jane gets dragged to a room and is gets her teeth kicked in by a couple of orderlies, so I think we know who we're dealing with. 
Oh yeah, we are dealing with the shithead variety. Jumping back to the present. Hold on, um, Jane does yell uh, at him. Your mother sucks cocks in hell. And I just realized: is this before that happens? Is she is she cribbing or is she actually reading the future? I don't know. Do we want to look up to see when the Exorcist came out? I'll, I'll do it. You go ahead. Oh, seventy three. Never mind. It, it's a quote. Okay. Uh, so back to present. Uh, we get a monologuing cockroach as uh, people are collecting uh, in the street to watch an eye in the sky that starts to just unmake things. And it makes them in a very, like, Avengers uh, Avengers Infinity War fashion. Like, it'll just kind of look at something and, like, flash into light and just dissolve into uh, into dust. Yeah, it, I mean, it's a lot more sudden than that one. It's just they burst into kind of embers uh, that the reporter lady from the first episode shows back up to be like, Excuse me. She shows up to be like, yeah, Cloverton's still messed up, but then she notices the eye looking at her, then she disappears. Yes, and, is uh, it looking at me? And then she's dead. Well, she she's decreated, because that's the, mm-hmm. the decreator. Um, and and the, the cockroach, I, just so we can refer to it better, I'll tell you his name now, Ezekiel. Ezekiel, okay. Yeah. Ezekiel uh, so, the cockroach, yeah, who so, apparently plays a large role later on. Yeah, and there there's an episode named after him. But we'll, we'll get to that eventually. Okay. Uh, uh, anyway, he he is shouting how this is the promised time. You know, he will reap this land. He will pull the weeds and we will start again. But then a rat next to him starts squeaking. And Ezekiel gets into an argument about if this will really be great. And whether they'll be able to make cheese in the new world. It's like, c- come on, it's milk and fungus. The ancient Egyptians figured it out. Yes, it will happen this time. I'm, I'm serious now. So, uh, back in the mansion, like, the team has kind of failed, um. Yeah. So, Cyborg pins, uh, uh, Willoughby against the wall and is shouting at him for throwing him to the wolves earlier. But Willoughby says, hey, I was doing what I could to save the world, and you guys stopped me, and now we're all doomed, so fuck it. Yes, Cyborg asks him, how long do we have? To which Willoughby just kind of shrugs his shoulders, Cyborg presses, to which Willoughby says, 19 minutes. Everyone says, really? And then Willoughby says, I don't fucking know. I just made it up. He goes to take a drink out of his flask, but it gets decreated out of his hand. He's like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> so, yeah, spirits are pretty low back at the mansion. Well, and Rita decides that the best thing she can do right now is to head outside and look for Elliot. The the poor kid who was the un, unwritten book who was then written and now... He's, he was used as part of a ritual to end the world, and now he's feeling kind of bad. Uh, back in Nurnheim, the alternate dimension and home of the cult of the un, uncreator, or un, unmaker? Uh, unwritten, unwritten book and the decreator. Like oh, you're, Jesus you're mix, Christ. You're mixing these up, and I was going to let it slide, but, you know, it's unwritten book and decreator. Right, it's impossible for me to remember names. We know this. It's established. Especially when a show like this just throws them at me. Just like... Every five minutes, it's just like, oh my god, oh my god, something new, something new. The show, Harry, it has like two episode arcs with entirely new plots and character. I'm never going to catch up. I understand this fact, but I'm never going to accept it. It's the it's the decreator. Okay. Well, anyway, back back in Nurnheim, there is the lady who was Elliot's mother and her and the dead body that was the dad, uh, and they're looking at Kate, which is what Jane was turned into. Yes, uh, Kate is a small, you know, human girl, and also Robot, who was previously there, is just a brain, just kind of lying on the ground, yeah. just a sticky old brain. Kate 
picks up the brain and asks very kindly, "Hey, I I don't want to be Kate anymore. Can you can you let us go?" And the the woman says like, "Oh, you're a pretty little thing. I I think I had something like you once, but it got uh I don't remember. The eye must have removed it. How how wonderful it is to forget." Uh, also, when uh, when Kate says that she doesn't want to be like, you know, doesn't want to be a little girl anymore, the Nerdheim Queen, I wrote this down, she says, very few of us want to be what we are. Mm. And that's a line that stuck with me. <laughs> yeah, this, this, is a, this is a show with good lines. But they do finally take pity on Kate and let her leave because, I mean, they won. Who cares at this point? Uh, so uh, they Kate turns back into Jane, uh, the brain turns back into robot, and they step outside to start screaming and be like, what the hell we lost? And start throwing snowballs, which causes them to realize that the dimension that they're in, uh, it's a snow globe. Yep, it's, it is, for whatever reason, a small snow globe inside the mansion they were, they were staying at. <sighs> so as they're realizing this, we zoom back out to the dimension that Mr. Nobody is in. And he's fucking pissed that the heroes have let the world get destroyed because he had plans for that. <laughs> yes, and I kind of love this. Like, this is a rich universe with multiple superheroes and supervillains, many of which have convic- uh, conflicting plans. Mr. Nobody doesn't want the cult of the Decreator to succeed either. And so he's going to work with the Doom Patrol to stop them. Niles convinces him to let them work together, and he starts laying out a plan. Like, hey... The Decreator, that's a very strong religion. To fight that, we need something created of a similar religion. Lots of belief. And to do that, we need a very specific personality of Jane's, and we need to give her instruction back in time. And nobody really likes this, likes the false religion part, but then he's annoyed because he realizes out loud that he's going to have to go through a bunch of flashbacks. (laughs) Uh, He also complains that he wasn't even in the last two episodes. Yeah, it's a big Very part. fourth wall. Yeah, he, he really can't let it end because of that. We get more Jane flashback, and uh, hey, this is where we she gets her powers. She gets an injection in 1976, uh, and yeah. yeah. But but she, that's, but that's yeah, we don't really see much more other than that specific moment, because it's not when they need to go. He, he flashes forward to when she goes to the mansion, but no. So he splits the difference back to 77, when she is in the institution with some more pretty bad doctrine oh yeah 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 she is being interrogated slash healed slash tortured and elector shocked by a therapist um so the personality that comes out as a as a result of this uh is a therapist type personality who psychoanalyzes the doctor and very quickly and clearly gets inside his head with her words to the point where she's telling him to stab himself in the eye with a pen and he does (laughs) Uh, this is Dr. Harrison. Uh, they And uh, it, it strikes me a lot of the villain of... Oh, I don't know what it is, the name of it is, but I think it was maybe Numb or something. It was a comic I read about like a guy who was basically infiltrating a supervillain group, and their leader was a guy who wasn't exactly psychic, but if he was in a room with someone, he could just talk to them for five minutes and totally unravel them. And the, the way he was eventually done in the series was by the main character just ripping his tongue out. And, like, throwing him in a room. I, I also read that comic book. It was a good one. A yeah. limited run taking place in, I think, the, Wild the authority universe. universe. Yeah. Wildstorm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, this is Dr. Harrison, and she does a pretty good... 
I mean, she does a good long speech that I almost want to just to drop a clip of in here. Like, fuck it, we could just start doing that. Yeah, the, Harry, this is a show with some really good dialogue. Like, and that that's fair use. That's fair use, Harry. Yeah, Also, screw- I don't have to edit and do it, so you should absolutely do that. <sighs> okay. So, but the point is uh, that uh, at the end of it, as the guy is about to stab into his eye, I'm not sure if he 100% does it, because... Time gets we frozen. See him in, yeah, we see him in the future, and he had two eyes, so maybe, yeah. I don't know what the hell happened. I, I feel like getting time stopped right here maybe interrupted her enough that he didn't go through with it. Uh, because Mr. Nobody talk, talks to her and says he's very appreciative of her powers, but she has a she has a very important task that he needs to tell her about. Uh, jumping from there, uh, we go back... Briefly to Nordheim in a snow globe, um, just confirming that you know it's a snow globe on uh, uh, on Niles's desk, and then we jump to Rita, who's bonding with the kid, the you know the unwritten book, who is saying to her that you should have let me die, but she's very emphatic, you know, no, 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 we saved you, you didn't deserve to die, and you know that this world is this this. She says humanity is terrible, people lie, they hurt each other, and some of them wear these things called Crocs, you know. Uh, But still, like, it wasn't, none of this is fair. And she says, hey, you know, it's, we have a chance now, like, because you were pretty isolated growing up with the cult. What's something you want to do? Anything. Do you want to go someplace, eat some food, you know, just anything. And so Elliot is immediately disintegrated by the eye. Yep, yep. The the show can be cruel at times. And Rita just sits there, literally melting. And it's at that point that Niles shows up back in the mansion, and he's walking. Yeah. And he's also puking. Like, it seems as though he's puking anytime he's trying to say something that is not specifically about how they defeat the cult of the Decreator. Like, anytime somebody mentions the name Mr. Nobody... He vomits, so when people are asking him, hey, how did you escape? What are you doing here? He really can't give them many details, other than the fact that, all right, he's working together with uh, that guy, and, you know, because the world is ending, and Willoughby looks at him and says, hey, I I know that the apocalypse lends two strange bedfellows. Let, let's do this. What, what do we got to do? He assures them that the only trap that has been set is the one in his esophagus. Uh, so we we then get a breakdown of the plan uh, as Mr. Nobody is talking to Dr. Harrison, uh, personality of Jane. And also it's something to note, I'm not sure how important it is, but when Mr. Nobody was messing with and kind of torturing Niles in his weird white space dimension, he was totally whole and basically a normal dude, like dressed as he was when he got that experiment done on him. But when he's talking to Dr. Harrison, like in the real world, he is his torn apart shattered glowy cgi self so i think part of it is that he can't really fully manifest here maybe like i mean it would seem that he's like an entity out of time like out of the universe so maybe like when he yeah when he's trying to get into the main universe uh the prime like actual universe he's not fully there but then in his own pocket dimension he could be that so the idea is that dr harrison is going to create the cult of the Recreator. <laughs> it's not a great name. He says he's no Elrond Hubbard. 
But the point is that she needs to start converting people and create a plan to create a new other entity to just kind of undo all the stuff that's happening. It's going to be a god fight, two big gods fighting it out. Great. And so we get a nice montage of a past, like, 70s Jane in an insane asylum just talking with all the patients and converting them to her own pocket cults. And as we're doing so, like, we note the patients here. Um, I mentioned at the beginning that there was a crowd forming around just looking up in the sky at the decreator. The people that she is talking to, you start to realize, you know, they're the way they look, like the clothes, the things that they're carrying. Oh, this is the crowd that is around the mansion right now looking at the decreator. Uh, she's just talking to them. She's using her personality powers. And she, it is a bit of a, well, I guess it's kind of showing that maybe she's not fully on the up and up because she is using cult tactics and she says like, hey, you don't need these medications. So like, hey, some, some of it. Look, this is a bad institution. Probably a lot of these people don't need those medications, especially because the doctor is pushing lobotomies. But I don't know. Sometimes people can use them. Like, it's just it's just a hardline stance that I feel like needs to be a more sometimes thing. Yeah, yeah. Medications are real. They're necessary. Like, you know, they're definitely helpful to a lot of people. Dot, dot, dot. This is still the 1970s. So they're, they're doing it wrong, but it's still a thing you should try to do right. Uh, so yeah, ev- but everyone is convinced on her side, like she's getting claps from even some of the orderlies helping out. And one well, of the patients says, oh, this is, this is a great cult. This is way better than the three I've been in before. <laughs> so she's definitely working with the prime crop here. So, uh, jump back. I mean, she, what? she needs strong faith, you know, she's got to, she's got to override an ancient religion in a couple decades. Mm-hmm. And I mean, uh, it's. It might be a little sketch what she's doing, but at the same time, she is working in a field where, like, if they believe it hard enough, it will actually come true. Yeah, and and also, I mean, she has uh, probably Mister Nobody doing time space stuff to maybe kick it down the kick it down the field a little bit. But yeah, at this point, yeah, back at the mansion, uh, Cyborg he is cleaning up some wounds from the fight, and Niles shows up and offers to help uh, help deal with those. Cyborg is one of the few people to start to try and unload stuff on Niles, because like, everybody has been finding out he's hiding stuff from them. Uh, but and Cyborg says like, "Hey, you know, I have known. I thought I knew you for a while, and I didn't expect you to be dealing on the wrong side of stuff here. Like, there's there's good and evil, and I always try to be be on the side of the right." And Niles looks at him and says, "Your head is so far up your ass." <laughs> yeah, Cyborg has a lot of stuff to work out. Another person who has some stuff to work out is uh, Larry, negative man, who uh, has a quick conversation with uh, Niles and confronts him about the video that he watched in the previous episode about the interrogation that Niles was doing. Niles says he didn't, he didn't think he was ready for it yet, and Larry says, I don't know, I, I think it was kind of true. Sometimes I feel like I died way back when, and this is maybe hell or something, or I'm just bringing hell to everyone around me. Like, I'm just constantly a bad presence. Uh, Niles points out that, uh, you know, the spirit does feel tortured, but Larry, maybe the spirit only feels tortured because you torture yourself and you're the home. So maybe if you worked on that a little bit, the spirit and you could get along more. So uh, Willoughby, uh, Cyborg and Rita, they all walk into a building and they see a dude with a bunch of tattoos. So they grab him, shove him to the ground, but then start reading them and realize they're dumb wrong you know asian languages and they look at his butt and like this is just i'm not sure not sure we mentioned like to 
just bring context to what you just said. Niles has informed them that they're now looking for, like, the unwritten book of the cult of the recreator. Well, the, the rewritten book. They're not just assaulting random tattooed people. Yeah, basically they're finding the person who they time-spaced into existence, and they asked uh, Baphomet, the, the horse demon, that also is flirting with Niles a lot. Like, again, this is the type of show where a demon horse showing up and flirting with a male character, like, that's just something we kind of brushed past because it wasn't important. But yeah, it turns out, like, there was a little bit of confusion because uh, the Jane in the past definitely took some liberties with the plan as she was, like, building trust with her cult. Like, the people were asking her, like, what happens with the uh, cults? Like, does it have to be a person? Does it have to be a man? Could it be a woman? Could it be a dog? Because he likes dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and To which she answers yes to everything. Yeah, because as the narration explains, Dr. Harrison is still pretty insane. So I think she's just kind of rolling with it. And when one of the people points out like, hey, I think it's a little silly for the writing to always be there. You know, maybe we should have something that just activates it like a, a bell we ring somewhere and dr harrison he says yes that's perfect you're, you're doing great you you will be my chosen to help me when the time comes yes and then just as a bonding exercise she tells her people to dance dance like there's a giant eye in the sky watching you as we flash forward to present day we see an elderly group of people clearly the same patients they they roll up a jukebox and start dancing in the middle of the street as, as like the eye giant- watches Yes, they are doing everything that they were trained to do. And in fact, uh, in Nurnheim, <laughs> Robot and Jane are accosted by uh, one of the elderly former patients who immediately recognizes Jane. Uh, Jane does not recognize her because she is not in her former personality. She says, oh, yeah, I know you, Dr. Harrison. And Jane says, I think you have the wrong person. And the lady says, hey, I just uh, took a plane to Borneo, cut up with a priest and climbed inside him, and now I'm in a snow globe. I think I know where I am. <laughs> yep. That's a good point. Uh, and that does trigger Jane. And she turns uh, back into Dr. Harrison and immediately warmly greets her and thanks her for following through with the plan and coming here at just the right time. So they're, they're interrupted because the, the giant lady kind of maybe feels mystically that something is up and is furious bringing some guards. So the... The, the woman offers to distract her for a little bit. Mm-hmm. At which point she kicks her oxygen tank down the road, screams, Viva the Recreator, and shoots it with a revolver to blow it up. And I gotta say, I li- I laughed out loud at this point. <laughs> she has like, a great line, too. Like, when when the, the cult lady says, you spit in the face of your god, she says, Lady, my only god is Springsteen, and I've spit in his face twice. <laughs> Viva the Recreator! Boob! It's a good way to go out, if indeed she does go out. Like, it, it's left a little vague. She's just kind of in Nurnheim when this ends. Like, I don't know, she could live. I mean, there's a giant fireball, and she seems to be a baseline human, so let's let's go with she's probably not coming back. Cliff is a brain, you know? Cliff had a, a car accident where his entire body got cut off, so I'm not going to count. I, I'm going to maybe give a little benefit of the doubt. Jane and Robot finds the bell in Nurnheim and ring the hell out of it, which causes the uh, black pug that Willoughby is holding to start glowing with unwritten words. Yep. And he reads them out, and it summons another giant eye in the sky. Now there's two of them. Yep. Who starts to recreate things. Things start bleeping back into existence. 
And at a certain point, the two eyes just get in a staring contest. They, after little bits, they do disappear, but I would really like it this universe if just there was always over this town two eyes staring at each other. Like, that's just the thing they have to deal with. Yep, one of these days, one of these space gods will win, but until then, we're fine. So, the, the day is saved, and Niles starts to do his goodbye tour. Yes, Willoughby uh, says, may we never meet again, which is a pretty good sign-off for these types of friends. Yeah, that... that it's a straight relationship, because Niles uh, apparently stole the snow globe with Nernheim in it, and also some <laughs> other stuff. Yeah, Niles is not a good guy. Yeah, I mean, he he's extremely pragmatic. He just compartmentalizes well enough that these guys didn't realize. But yeah, Mr. Nobody, uh, halfway through Niles saying goodbye, uh, yanks Niles back into his torture dimension, slowing down time of the process and confusing the hell out of all our heroes. Like, even as furious as Cyborg was with Niles, he was still willing to pull out his sonic cannon and try to stop nobody. But as the time is messed with and he is thrown off his game, he does he realizes at the last moment as nobody narrates. Like, nobody is doing a thing where he kind of narrates what happens and it happens in the world. Like, uh, so I think that's a way of showing his power. Like, uh, when uh, Dr. Harrison's restraints need to fall off, he says, her restraints loosened. And when time slows down, he just says, and time slows down, and he explains that Cyborg forgot all this time he'd been charging his arm cannon. So when time resumes, it explodes. Uh, like, there's a... His arm is really fucked up and bloody uh, at this point. Well, it, it's... it. His arm is gone from the elbow down, mostly. I mean, there's a bit of bone there. Um, but <laughs> I'm, yeah, not sure, definitely... I'm not sure that's bone. Whatever it is, like, he's in a ton of pain, and he's, like, you know, screaming, telling people to get back. Uh, there's a light flashing on his neck uh, that, you know, people want to press. He tells them that it's an SOS, but he doesn't want to press it because he doesn't want his father to show up. Yeah, but after a little bit, Cliff says, I'm sorry, but we can't deal with this. I'm, you know, pressing the button. And he does, puts him in safe mode, and calls in the father for a rescue. Back outside. Everyone's hugging, uh, seeing that the world was ended, but then unended. And Rita is still sitting on the park bench, waiting, because Elliot has not showed back up yet. Larry shows up and says that he really doesn't think he's going to. Yeah. It's a sad scene. The recreator did recreate some stuff, but I don't think he got everything. And as the episode closes, we get one final flashback with uh, Jane, where Niles rescues Jane from the insane asylum. And Mr. Nobody uh, mentions that he planted a seed, unbeknownst to Niles, in Jane's memory, which will now activate. Yeah, because he just, all he's asking is for her to look for someone attached to a specific name. The Doom Patrol. Yeah, and Jane asks, who the fuck is the Doom Patrol? Q, episode six. Yeah, episode six is Doom Patrol Patrol. So as the episode starts, Rita is... Still sitting sadly on the stone bench, hoping that Elliot will be there. Nice brooding Rita, uh, trying to, you know, do something nice in the world. And then we flash back to a good old 50s Hollywood Rita. This is, she's she's at uh, audition, and this is after her getting her powers, because her face melts a little bit. She's trying to get a hold on it. She's definitely on the Hollywood blacklist at this point, you know, fallen from grace due to the troubles she has been having. Yeah, because it's hard to get steady work when you sometimes melt. So she goes in to ask for a role, 
and encounters a Hollywood casting couch. Yeah, some uh, some drama there, which, you know, she's going along with, unfortunately. But then she kind of blobs out and kills the executive. <laughs> yeah, like, he, I, I thought she was just going to, like, full-on Akira eat him. But, no, when she comes back out, the guy, he's intact, but his eyes are wide open. And Rita kicks him a couple times to make sure that he is dead. Uh, his secretary, you know, uh, comes in having heard, like, some kind of commotion. And, uh, you know, discovers him dead on the couch, to which she says the bastard had a heart attack. She looks at Rita, you know, kind of cleans her up a little bit. You were never here. Yeah, and, and sends her out. Just, you know, nice secretary. Even though she'd been throwing some, some looks Rita's way, she knows that it's it's hard out there. And she, she doesn't need to be associated with this. And then, uh, yeah, so cut now to Robo uh, bringing sandwiches to Jane, who rejects them brusquely, like, Robo's definitely really trying to connect with Jane. Yeah, I mean, he he's trying to get a daughter surrogate, but he's also trying to find out more about his daughter. And specifically, he's looking for some help because he's found her on Facebook, but he is also a old man who's been living in a single room for 30 years without talking to anyone. So he doesn't know much about social networking. So after Jane uh, rejects Robo, she uh, goes back into the room to watch a video of Baby Doll being interrogated. Yeah. Well, not, not even interrogated. This is like, this is... Or like, uh, not, interrogation's the wrong word. It's like a conversation with Niles. Yeah, just like, they're in a room that was kind of used for interrogation, but no, it's actually Niles just saying that he needs to go away for a week to, like, uh, someone else, and Baby Doll has attached enough to him that she's, you know, really throwing a tantrum and freaking out, and he has to talk her down and be like, oh, no, look, we'll still have Pancake Day, it's just... We'll pick the same time, and we'll eat pancakes at, at the exact moment, you know? And we'll still be doing it together. Have we seen what Baby Doll's powers are? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, the... Uh, an episode, uh... The, the closest we got was maybe it seemed like she was the big son had one, but I think I saw in one of the episode descriptions that she's actually some kind of... Th that's a specific named personality that... I don't think talks much, it's just occasionally Rita turns large and throws sons at people. Yeah, I mean, she has, like, you know, 64 different personalities and power sets. Like, a few of them are just going to be, like, show up, glow, do something lasery, and then go away. Yeah, like, we don't know what Baby Doll's powers are, we don't know what, uh, what, uh, what, what was her name? I mean, like, Jane, Baseline Jane, doesn't seem to have powers. It might be, like, anti-aging or something like that, considering that somebody's gotta have that for her to still be immortal. Sure, sure. Let's just go with that. Uh, there was the there was the personality with the weird voice when she first showed up, and I think I thought that was Silver Tongue. Uh, no, because her hair wasn't like Silver Tongues. Anyway, like it, it's really hard to keep track of, and this is be you know actually pulling a few names out of my memory bag. So hey, pat on the back. Yeah, I I I, I mean I could look him up, but then again, that's probably going to be spoilers, and also I'll find out about the other personalities. That's a reveal thing that they're doing so oh, well yep. we got to find out organically mm -hmm. alas alas speaking of which animal vegetable middle mineral man uh well uh so, not, not, not quite yet yeah so first off cyborg is uh, looking over his wounds and actually they've kind of started scabbing over with metal like his implants are healing him in ways that maybe he even wasn't expecting like, there was the scene a few episodes ago where we got Jane, uh, or the Hangman's daughter, painting a future picture of Cyborg, who was much more cybernetic than he currently is. So, presumably, he is trending in that direction. 
not hugely more because he, he's got his shirt open in this one and we do see he has a full cyber torso uh but uh robot man walks up and you know asks how he's doing and also hey can you help me deal with my daughter's facebook page like she would accept my friend request and i don't know could you hack in or something sorry i lost the notes like Mary, you there yeah yeah I, I, I was waiting for you to find your notes i guess i just didn't take a note of that interaction uh anyway uh uh, Jane walks up and like presses the big uh, glowing thing on Cyborg's chest and says, Siri, what's the Doom Patrol? <laughs> she is on a rampage now. Like she has had the memory activated by Mr. Nobody. And so she's asking everyone in the mansion what the Doom, uh, Doom Patrol is. They go down, they find some old newspapers and they pull up a picture of the Doom Patrol to which Rita walks in and says, oh, what are you doing looking up the Doom Patrol? Because it turns out she dated one of them. Yeah, she dated Mento, the the psychic on the team. Yes, the picture that we see is a superhero team from the 50s of three persons. Like a man, a Mento, and then two women as yet unidentified. Yep, they got got colorful matching jumpsuits, and Mento has a very retro-looking helmet thing on. Yep, and as you know that this is the Doom Patrol show, this is going to end tragically. Rita, Rita knows where they are so uh jane grabs a couple shoulders and teleports them there uh, also mr uh also ne- negative man uh, comes along on this trip so we do a split team again where negative man rita jane are into are going into an expansion <laughs> style scenario with the former doom patrol and then the rest of the party is back at the mansion yeah it, it's very expansion like because when they walk around a hedge they see a lady throwing fireballs and ice bolts around, and she actually attacks Jane a little bit, who turns into the Big Sun version and blocks it. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a bunch of kids watching and taking notes. Yep, yep, yep. Like, it is, they even have, like, school uniforms on. Like, you know, it's it's Rushmore-style uniforms with X-Men powers. Uh, Cyborg's dad has showed back up at the Doom Mansion. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is where we see a little scene of Robo uh, watching the news and seeing Animal Vegetable vegetable Mineral Man is making a name for himself in the comedy section of the crime news. Yeah, he, he got these powers, which from what I read are actually pretty extensive, but what he did was try to hold up a convenience store and got attacked by his own raptor head. He's new at this area, just give him some time. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, he, there's just an embarrassing mugshot. Also, I I just realized this, but when he robs a convenience store, he has nylon stockings on both his head and the raptors. Like, <laughs> okay. I mean, it just struck me how fucking dumb that is, because, like, how many other people are there with raptor heads? I mean, this is the Doom Patrol universe, Harry. That's a real question. Cyborg's dad, he's looking at uh, the damage. He's He's really interested to find out about... The kind of healing regeneration thing, because I guess that is different than they expected. Mm-hmm. But then he notices that, oh, a piece of you is missing. Uh, the explosion wasn't big enough to vaporize it. And when they look, there is a chunk of Cyborg's finger in Cliff's arm. <laughs> yeah, uh, to which Cyborg's dad uh, quips that Niles' indestructible robot man turns out can be damaged after all. Yeah, Niles asked for some help on his design. And uh, then promptly decided to not use any of uh, Cyborg's dad's ideas. And Cyborg's dad is definitely a shithead, so maybe that's why. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, professional discourtesy uh, between those two. 
And uh, as Cyborg is getting ready to be, you know, shut down into safe mode so his dad can affect repairs, he takes Robot aside and asks him to look over him and report back exactly what his father does to him because he no longer trusts his father to run these maintenance uh, just, you know, out of the goodness of his heart. Yeah, and in exchange for this, he'll help Robot Man with his daughter problem. Mm-hmm. A fair trade. Uh, at the other location with... Uh, the X-Mansion. I, just yes. call it the X-Mansion. Yeah, sure, the X-Mansion. Uh, they There is a kind of groundskeeper walking them through it. He's uh, Josh Clay or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know enough about comics to know exactly who he is, but Larry sees him as like, hey, have we met before? And Josh Clay's like, no, no, we haven't. So there's something there. Yep, absolutely. Uh, also, he seems to think that uh, Jane is there to stay. She has a room for herself, and he, like, you know, walks her up to it and is like, hey, so this is your room. We're ready for you to move in. To which Jane uh, informs him, like, no, I'm not here to move into this mansion. I'm here to figure out about who Mr. Nobody is. When uh, Rhea, one of one of the uh, teachers there, says Mr. Nobody, Clay says, uh, I'm afraid we can't help you. Please, please leave. So Rita's off to the side. She is waiting uh, at a park bench trying to make herself look good. And we get a flashback to her meeting Mento. Yep. Like her and Mento, like they just kick it right back off again. Like, you know, they they used to date. They used to be a thing. And they're just going right back into it. Yeah. So Rita, she was having a bad time with her abilities. She was melting some more. So Miles brought in Mento to help her with some kind of exercises and stuff. And yes. this was back in the 50s when she was first coming to the mansion. Yeah. And uh, she is she is very wary, doesn't want to go along with it. But Mento flatters the hell out of her saying like, yeah, I know who you are. You're you're Rita Farr. Like I've seen your movies. Like, you're great. And he even kind of plays around, you know, when she says, you know, I don't want you to look at my mind. So he'll be like, oh, no, I'll, I'll look away. And he kind of reverses gaze. So, so eventually she lets him get into her mind and walks her through some breathing exercises, which are the same ones she was doing in an earlier episode. So even with how badly this ended, she's kept some of the teachings she got. It, it's fun. Yeah, so jumping back into the future, like, uh, by the way, uh, Steven, like the Mento, the sexy psychic, he has not aged at all. So no one ages in this show, uh, except when he's walking around uh, and she mentions that she's there looking for information on Mr. Nobody. There's kind of a weird graphics glitch that happens on the show the environment around them suddenly flickers to a different dilapidated looking version those genre savvy uh will immediately know that this is not an x-mansion this is going to be some kind of brand of holodeck episode jane she's in the office with uh with clay and basically refusing to let her attention be turned away from mr nobody until he finally tells her the basic story and they're, they're getting different versions, like Larry's getting a version from Rhea, uh, Jade's getting a version from Clay, and Rita's getting a version from Mento. So, Mr. Yep. Nobody. Everyone seems to agree, though, that Mr. Nobody was defeated back in the 50s. Yeah, we do get a little bit on the Mr. Nobody attack that uh, that the Doom Patrol of the 50s was sent to disrupt. Uh, turns out Mr. Nobody sent a flying jukebox into the middle of a crowded park. A, a jukebox lifted by a blimp shaped like a butt. And when this uh, jukebox came into contact with people, it turned the authority figures present into pinatas, which everyone else, under some kind of mind control spell, promptly cracked open and ate the candy out of. And 
yes, this is like slow-mo footage in the show of people like, you know, breaking apart pinatas and eating candy. But with the cinematography and the context, it's kind of horrifying. There's some interleaved shots showing uh, the relationship between Rita and Mento getting further. Like at, on the, after their first session, uh, Rita like got major progress and was able to stabilize her legs, which were melting. So she she kissed Mento and she she started saying, "Oh, sorry, that was just uh, just reflex. I'm sure you have some kind of uh, you know oh thing to deal with." And Mento kisses her back, so he doesn't. He's a real Professor X. So back to Cyborg's dad. So Cyborg's dad is, you know, repairing Cyborg. He's going through the process of rebooting all the systems and assisting with the mechanical repair. Uh, Robot and him are chatting a little bit. Robot asks if Cyborg's dad would have made him like Cyborg if he had been the one to have his body. To which Cyborg's father replies, no, I would have made you better. Yeah, better than him. Yeah, Cyborg's dad is a real piece of shit. It's becoming pretty clear that he views the human parts of his son as a weakness. Not a great look. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not a good guy. Not a good guy. Yeah. Uh, So uh, when asking how his arm got destroyed, Robot goes into it and says, oh yeah, we were were fighting Mr. Nobody. He charged up his gun and it exploded. Man, it was crazy. Like it was... His arm was peeled back like a Elmer Fudd's shotgun when you put a finger in it. And then he looks at the other man's expression and says, actually, when I think about it, it wasn't that bad. Um, when the dad is kind of dismissive of this whole mission and all the people he's working with, he says, like, hey, I'm just scared of losing my child. What would you know about that? So Cliff sounds up and says, uh, I know a fucking lot. Mm-hmm. I messed up and I have lost my daughter maybe forever. You know, I'm going to regret that. What are you going to have? So some tough love from Robo onto Cyborg's dad. Yeah. Uh, back to the X-Mansion. So shit's getting real bad. Like, uh, Niall shows up into the room that uh, mis- that negative man is in. And uh, Larry quickly realizes, oh, this isn't Niall's. This is a hologram. Or uh, not a hologram. It's actually a psychic projection. Because, you know, he passes his hand right through... And everything goes dark and green and horror movie set. This, this is about the point back down to the basement where Mento had finished his, telling his story to Rita of how they totally destroyed Negative Man. And she says, well, no. Uh, no, nope, uh, Mr. Nobody. Oh, yeah, Mr. Nobody. And she says, well, that's great, but he's definitely still alive. I mean, he showed up. We've seen him and stuff. And Mento freaks out and the world around them changes. So uh, when the world changes, we actually see... Uh, Mento. Yeah, turns out people do get old at this show. Yeah, it's just the main cast who don't, but Mento is just an old man sitting in a wheelchair a couple feet away. Full on Professor Xing. Well, also full on catatonic. Like, he he's not there. Like, you quickly realize, oh, this entire place, like, he's holding it up with his mental projections. Rhea, back up with Negative Man, she... Like, the projection of Niles is gone, and she freaks out and starts attacking Larry. Uh, Jane, who is talking to Clay, who does not suddenly age, he looks like he normally does, is like, oh man, Mento must be must be breaking out. Uh, a bunch of knives get thrown into their door, so the third person of the group who doesn't even really get a line during this episode, it may be a non-speaking rule. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, she's a psychic. She throws knives on other bladed weaponry around. Telekinetic. And she threw a bunch of knives into the door. He's like, um, they're breaking free of their control. And also, nightmares start to appear in front of uh, the people. Like, uh, Larry the test pilot is confronted by a G-man in a dark suit. 
and glowing syringe fingers. Yeah, who's saying stuff about how he really appreciates the work Larry has done for his country and we need to get back to it. Uh, Jane is, she starts seeing puzzle pieces pop out of cupboards and totally breaks down, freaks out, and like a tidal waves of puzzle pieces are coming and a angry male voice is saying, you know, okay, uh, it's it's time to play. So, eh. I I think she's got a back rough, uh, a rough backstory coming. I think so, too. And uh, Rita is confronted by uh, another woman in 1950s garb who commits bloody suicide in front of her. Yeah, that's what I had to have included a, uh, you know, content warning about earlier in this episode. Like, there was some hints at suicide in a previous episode. This one, it literally happens on screen. Very bloody. Dramatic. Yep. Yep, yep. Because Mento is lashing out and trying to bring people down with their worst memories and worst, like, fears. Yeah, like, Mento, uh, I mean, it kind of makes sense to say it now. Like, we we saw a scene of their relationship getting physical, and Rita was very worried. She wanted him to kind of wear the helmet, not in a kinky way, but because she had a bad experience where she lost control and he could stop her if that happens. But he says, no, that's not necessary. But then on, on maybe the same encounter or a later one... Uh, Mento apparently read her mind when she was asleep and found a terrible secret of a thing she did. Yep. And he is uh, very judgy. You know, straight up, how could you? I'm leaving. Immediately after having sex. And I'm sure that that uh, the timeline there is a coincidence. Mm-hmm. He's a real shitbag. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he was a great person. Absolutely not. Re- really, Professor Xing. That that's That's the real <laughs> comparison I've been making this whole time, turns out. So after all this wears down, this only lasts a little bit. Like, it, um, if I do have a complaint, it's that all right. The show is really great in its writing and characterization and cinematography and everything, but in the superhero specific fight parts, like it's just them kind of getting tortured and revealing more about the characters, and the negative man shows up and solves the problem immediately. And like, I there will be some big fights in some episodes, surely. Like the in the in the in the cult patrol one where they were fighting the cultist dudes. Yeah, th- there was fights there and stuff, but it's just. And this one, it's just they fill up their bar for we need to get enough backstory out, and the negative man's entity just kind of takes the helmet off Mento, and they're all good. Like, the, it's a show where you could absolutely tell that they budgeted out, like, okay, X number of episodes this season can have fights. And that number is probably somewhere in the neighborhood of five. So we've had, like, two, two and a half so far. So we've got, like, another couple episodes this season where people are going to get to throw down. Like, we're coming from Kamen Rider and Power Rangers, where half of every episode would be a long fight scene. And this is not inferior to that. It's just, like, that was far too much fights, I think. Like, a lot of the fights were just filling time and they didn't have a plot beneath it. This, it's much closer to what I'd like, but it's still, like, a little more action. A little more. And yes, if if we get those in later episodes, I'll be fine. I just like I'm registering a complaint, I guess. Uh, but yes, the care key, uh, the caretaker guy uh, from the school. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. He's the nurse. He's taking care of the Doom Patrol after they absolutely hardcore lost to Mister Nobody. Yeah, like he, he got into their heads. He drove them insane, and now Nile set up this house as a kind of retirement home with Mento creating a pleasing illusion for them to live in. So as the as the Doom Patrol or the new Doom Patrol is leaving, Jane kind of turns back towards the caretaker like, wait, why do I have a room here? 
Why would you think Niles would send me here? I'm not broken. Uh, the caretaker says, that's something you have to take up with Niles. And she says, well, that's fucking hard these days, isn't it? Uh, back at the Prime Mansion. So uh, Cyborg wakes up and has a quick conversation with his dad. And it looks like the conversation that Cyborg's dad had with Robot might be sticking a little bit. Because he agrees to turn on privacy mode for real this time. Agrees to give him access to everything he needs and just the time and space to be his own man. Yeah. And Cyborg is happy to hear this and he even goes in for a hug. But as his dad walks away, Cyborg reveals that the hug was kind of to take a significant USB drive out of his dad's pocket. And he's going to go figure out what the hell this thing is. It's nice and angular and glowy. It's very like, you know, it's a very Hollywood USB drive as opposed to just like a nondescript stick of plastic, which is, you know, actual important to USB drives. Yeah, it's not something you would get at Best Buy. It's either it either has a evil alien AI in it or something, or it's something you would get at Spencer's Gifts. Uh, so the rest of the Doom Patrol comes back to the mansion and they just kind of start emotionally processing. Uh, Larry has a kind of touching moment with his partner or his entity. Uh, with his entity because like that nightmare that kind of fucked them both up so larry just you know looks at the mirror and he says like i'm sorry i'm sorry that that happens like well that was bad that was bad for both of us no it's not even that specifically like he i think there's something specifically he's talking about because he goes and into a box and goes through some of his belongings and pulls out a patch like a military patch so i think they're leading towards the idea that maybe at some point Larry, before he got out, was used as a weapon by the government, which is a thing they would try to do. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the one the one thing that he and the entity could agree on is that it was not a great situation when that's saying something. Cyborg is analyzing the USB stick. Jane is just still real sad. And Cyborg, uh, oh, yeah, Cyborg got the uh, Facebook profile catfished properly so Cliff can look at his daughter's data. And finds out that his daughter was adopted by his pit boss, Bump. Yep. As the episode ends, he basically punches through the keyboard. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that is uh, that is where we end this week. Another uh, episode over. Another arc done. It's entirely possible because his wife was cheating on him with Bump. Do we think that Bump adopted her or that was Bump the real father the whole time? Uh, could go either way. Could go either way, but, you know, like, I mean, probably wasn't Bump the entire time because, like, was he even the pit boss back when they, like, first met? So I'm going to assume, no, I'm going to assume that Cliff is the real father, uh, but that, you know, Bump just felt really bad after all her parents and family were gone. I'm sure it will not take him too long to come to the conclusion that it's actually good that she had a father figure in her life during her, you know, rough years. Like, they're, they're happy and, like, hugging in the photos, so it seems like he was a relatively good dad. Uh, and, yeah, so Rita, she is, she had, she has gotten her worst moments thrown at her. She really tried to be a better person. And at also at the end, her kind of thing is that she goes to Mento and says, hey, you know, I, oh god, I, I wish I'd written it down. But, like, she has a, whatever, we're doing clips, I'll do the, I'll do the good clip version, but... She basically says that she thinks she's a bad person and doesn't really deserve forgiveness, so maybe she's going to try to be someone else, and that also she doesn't blame Mento for what he's done. And 
gives them back the helmet so that at least they can have like a comfortable situation. Yes. A comfortable retirement. All right. Good episodes. Yeah, like it, I the episode six was just kind of like, oh, they're really not doing some action here. Also, why the hell did Mr. Nobody like they're only here because Mr. Nobody explicitly sent them to find the Doom Patrol. So why do we think that is? Uh, the caretaker says to Jane, I think the reason nobody sent you here is to scare you off by showing you that the last team to take him on head on came to a very long, painful end. Do we think that's right? Because Mr. Nobody doesn't seem like the worn away type. His psychology might be more like if these are his new nemeses, he's showing off his cool backstory and previous victories. It might be something like that. That's it for this week, but, I mean, did we have anything else before the close, Harry? Uh, hmm, no, no, it, it's still a good show, uh, and it it's long and it lets us fill up whole episodes just talking about a couple of them, we don't really need a game, so, until next time, Sam, what are we gonna do? We're going to keep dancing, we're going to keep dancing like there's a giant eye in the sky watching us!